Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. You can find us at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. J.C. and I are having a little bit of technical difficulties today, so if you're wondering why our sound sounds a little bit different than usual, uh, we are on the road, and for some reason, our our uh, sound equipment decided to take a vacation without us. So we are winging it. <laughs> Still going to bring you what we always bring you, but just sound a little bit different today. And so, uh, JC, did you see that the shutdown is all over? I heard, yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Shutdown all over. Are we all relieved that the government is now back to operating and spending our money? Yeah, I. Looking at the headlines, I guess we learned that we can't do without government. That's what I you know. Get, that's what the narrative, which yeah. is what I predicted. That's right, exactly. It's because the shutdown didn't last long enough, and that's something that I wanted to talk about today. It's a article that I saw that we saw in Forbes magazine, written by Blake Morant. Now, let me give you Blake Morant's uh, uh, biography real quick, just to give you a little insight on the perspective the article is written in. So, Blake D. Morant, and I guess that's how you say his last name. I serve as Dean and Robert Kramer Research Professor of Law at George Washington University Law School. Prior to assuming the deanship of GW Law in 2014, I was dean of the Wake Forest University School of Law for seven years. I speak around the globe on current issues in legal education and have published extensively in my areas of scholarly focus. I had numerous national posts, leadership posts with the Association of American Law Schools, of which I was president in 2015, and the American Bar Association. Currently, I'm a member of the ABA's Commission on the Future of Legal Education and presidents of the ALS. So it should be no surprise to you that in the midst of Mr. Morant's article on the things that we learned from the government shutdown is this this glorious fawning over the wonderful uh, profession of lawyers. 
how lawyers, oh, really? yes, no, how <laughs> lawyers saved us from the government shutdown. Oh, nice. Because we all know. Thank you. Yeah, right. So we all know that most of the people in Congress are lawyers. Sure. And it's because lawyers are, uh, are skilled in the art of compromise that we were saved from the government shutdown. Cool. How cool is that? Aren't you glad about that, JC? Yeah, thank you, lawyers. Thank you, lawyers. Oh, my goodness. I don't know uh, if there is an, a more arrogant profession on the planet you than think? lawyers. I mean, seriously, we saw that when we went to my uh, orientation at the University of Florida Law School. The You're the best of the best of the best, and you're the brightest, and that's why you're here. And it, it was just it was a very interesting perspective. But the one thing that I wanted to talk to you about uh, today is the text of this, uh, the, the premise of this article. And we have it up on YouTube right now. The name of the article is After the Shutdown, The Essentiality of Compromise. And that's what this is all about. It's all about compromise. And what's interesting is, is that he actually invokes the name of the founders as this, this kind of idea of compromise. And he says, democracy by its very nature requires compromise. Now, all of you who are gritting your teeth right now, we know why. Uh, he says, in fact, compromise has always been a fundamental element of functional democracy. In his biography of John Adams, David McCullough noted that, quote, founding fathers such as Adams and Thomas Jefferson recognized the importance of compromise, both engaged in it avidly, sometimes contentiously, while in public office. What, what, hold on. Why is founding fathers in quotes? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, because the whole... Like he's not quoting David McCullough. No, he's not quoting David McCullough. But he puts founding fathers in quotes. Like, what is that? What is he trying to say? Well, I think he's trying to. No, no. Here's my thing. Here's my guess. Right, because to say founding fathers is misogynistic. Right, so you have to put that in quotations as if you are referencing the terminology of David McCullough. Right. So, so he's saying. I'm not calling them founding fathers. Yes. Cause I because <laughs> I don't hate women. This right. is this is the women hating term David McCullough used. So that's what we're to take from that? That's that's my guess, JC. That is totally, totally I mean, my guess. You usually <laughs> use quotation marks. I mean typically to say this is what he said. But mm-hmm. why is that somehow I mean it's just the idea that I, you're I talking about Adams like, and Jefferson, yes. so why founding fathers in quote like oh man that was weird david mccullough called adams and jefferson founding fathers how bizarre <laughs> i better put that in quotes or people are not going to really know what i'm talking about that's so weird well here's the thing what? i think it's more like uh, like roll your eyes air quotes with your fingers uh-huh. founding fathers yeah, yeah. right no, so that makes sense. i'm trying to resonate with my air quotes with yeah. the with the people out there who refer to them as founding fathers right okay. so i think so, it's more of a mocking yeah 
Right, I mean, or a sarcasm. Maybe, right, 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 right. but maybe it's off talk, but I just thought it was weird. I mean, no, no, no. Not... I, I thought it was weird too, but I and I am glad you brought that up because I think it's it is it is absolutely true. But it's interesting he uses the term compromise. They engage avidly, sometimes contentiously while in public office. I I would term that as debate. Yes, and that's very important. Now, what I also find very interesting, JC, is that he quotes David McCullough on the founding fathers, but never quotes Adams or Jefferson themselves. Because if he quoted Adams, he would have to quote, liberty must at all hazards be supported. Which is something that Adams would tell you is not open for compromise. It is really weird because obviously we read David McCullough. We've Mm -hmm. read that biography. David McCullough quotes the founders. Yes, so why would you – I just don't understand that. Why would you not quote the founders themselves? Well, because this lawyer has how, how never read the founders himself, okay? So the best thing that he uh, can do is read books about the founders right. and then make his his extractions contemporaneously, you know, yeah, and not right. based on historical fact. Because like I said, if he were to actually quote the founders, he would know that not like he asserts in this article, that that not everything is up for compromise. He asserts in this article that there is absolutely nothing that government deals with that should not be open to compromise, which is ap- which is completely contradictory to the principles and the standards that John Adams, that uh, Jefferson, and, and the rest of our founders, both men and women, uh, think about it. If compromise was the primary goal, we would have never declared independence from Great Britain. We would have compromised with Parliament to achieve the desired results. Well, with all due respect to the founders and drafters, when when I think back to the things that they did compromise, those things are actually a source of problem today or were a source of problems afterward. Like they, I mean... I understand why they compromised on some things. For instance, the slavery issue. They compromised because they felt like if we don't go ahead and do this, we're not going to have a union at all. Mm-hmm. But and, and that may have, you know, you could argue, well, that's all they could do at the time. Some say, no, they could have done more. They should have. I mean, in fact, I think it was Madison later said we should have done right then and there. Well, George Mason. Because it came back to bite them. Yeah, I mean, George Mason said at the time. That we should we should be doing more. George yes. Mason said, "I'm not signing this because we ought to be doing more." So it's interesting. He's extolling. I mean, he's talking about it in such a way like this is the golden goose, you know. Uh-huh. When in fact, the the very essence of compromise is to take the lesser uh, choice. Like what you know, this right. is the good thing to do. Okay, well, nobody can agree on. The thing to do. Nobody, nobody, all wants to get together and do the thing that is best. So let's do less than best. I mean, that really is the essence of compromise, and he's making it sound like you know this is the epitome of how it ought to work. Well, but compromise—that's crazy. Uh, uh, and I'll just say, uh, compromise doesn't have to be the less than best. Compromise ought to be we're taking the best of the both ideas and creating the best. Yeah, right? that's not compromise. But that's though. not what that's he's talking. Collaboration. See, this oh, is the thing. The, the, there you go. There's another distinction that you know, we ought to be talking about. And that's the point. This this whole uh, uh, hijacking of terminology and twisting 
what's going on here and sort of redefine it. I mean, I see, I look at this article, like he's basically trying to, you know, put sugar on a turd and say, hey, isn't, doesn't this taste good, guys? This is great. Yeah, only he doesn't think it's a piece of poop. Yeah. He doesn't think, he think it's, thinks it's the most fabulous thing yeah, that we've well, done. And he, it's disgraceful that we didn't compromise, compromise. I'll do his little air quotes thing. We didn't compromise from well, the beginning. You assume that's what he thinks. That's what he's pitching. That's what that's, he's pitching. That's what he wants us yeah, to believe. That's what he wants us to believe. But, you know, anyway, the end well, result's I, the same. I think the the next, as we have this up on YouTube, the next statement is very indicative of, of his definition of compromise. He says, in fact, the Declaration of Independence originally drafted by Jefferson resulted from a wordsmithing exchange that produced the honored document we celebrate today. So that's wordsmithing is not compromise because here's here's the point he he addresses in this article that that uh, sticking with principles on uh, unwaver and unwavering is is a bad thing to do and so wordsmithing now because principles mean nothing wordsmithing is how we're supposed to work things. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. If you're just tuning in, this is Chris Ann Hall, and I'm here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. And we do apologize for the sound issues, but we are dedicated to bringing you this truth. And we are talking to you today about an article on Forbes magazine talking about what he calls the essentiality of of uh, compromise. And as you mentioned before, JC, it's very interesting because he brings this up in the article, um, the controversy leading to the longest government shutdown in the nation's history focused on competing goals of the president and members of Congress, both seeking solutions for true border security. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> right? Seriously. Wrong. Because Congress was not seeking a goal no. for true border no. security. No, how, how could you have an entire body and representatives of those bodies standing, you know, many of them saying open borders, you know, no security, sanctuary cities, anybody should be able to come. You know, I mean, how 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 does that translate into wanting to secure the borders? That's utter nonsense. So so now this guy, I mean, come on. Now you've revealed yourself, whatever, Morant, whatever his name is, as, as either a liar or, or a moron. How do you how do you come to that conclusion? Both sides were attempting to find solutions. No, they were not. Are you that stupid? Yeah, yeah. So he says, the deal to reopen the government relieved some of the angst suffered by unpaid federal workers, disappointed fans of national museums and parks, frustrated passengers in airports, and many concerned about the shutdown's effect on the economy. Political pundits and economists will no doubt dissect the the multifaceted effects of the month-long shutdown. And he says, in my view... 
this unprecedented chapter in our history underscores an indelible construct of democracy, namely the salience of compromise. And remember, in it. Oh it, my goodness! I know. Seriously. What a nitwit. He says, in Jesus' name, (laughs) may his bank account and all of his wealth be transferred to someone else who has a brain, and this man be out of a job, in the name of Jesus. (laughs) What a buffoon. I would not wipe my rear end with this trash in Forbes magazine. But this is this Forbes is such magazine. Pollyanna I garbage. I know. So he remember he says earlier that Adams and Jefferson would agree with him, right? Oh, right. I mean his the, the the very paragraph asserts that Jefferson and Madison and Adams would agree with him. But remember, Adams said that liberty must at all hazards be supported. Jefferson said, How can the the the, the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we remove their firm foundation that liberty is a gift from God. He said, I tremble for my nation because I know that that we serve a just God and his justice will not sleep forever. And so he goes on. As if you needed any more proof of this Clinton Bush, Saudi, uh, you know, cabal, establishment cabal of of absolute brain dead nitwits. uh, I give you Forbes. He says contemporary politics has seemingly eroded the acceptability of compromise. Intense polarization forces individuals into intractable positions. As a result, many like, li- is, like supporting liberty, like supporting liberty, like supporting limited government, like supporting the security and safety of your family from foreign invasion, following the rule of law, following the rule of law. Here's what he says. Now you're going to love this. He you're says so, you're so intractable, wanting to follow all of that stuff. Stuff. You're intractable. I mean, I mean, th- I mean, those are those are just the basis of, of a civilized nation. How how intractable of you to follow these things? Yeah, he says. Doofus. He is. He says contemporary. Uh, he says. Uh, now listen to this, JC. It's crazy. As a result, right? Because he's blaming tribalism for this dedication to liberty and the rule of law and the Constitution. He says, as a result, many believe their ideas and their beliefs to be paramount, sacrosanct, and most disturbingly, immutable. Immutable. Yeah. In modifications of those ideas and beliefs become intolerable, signaling a weakness of conviction. As a result, compromise is seen as a loss rather than a different form of win. Mm-hmm. So because I won't compromise on my principles, then I am a bad guy. Yeah. I am the right. problem, right? When you look up that word principles, sacrosanct. right, because you look up something in the dictionary that's you look up the word principle in the dictionary and by the very nature of its definition, it is immutable. As arrogant men tear up our constitution and from every direction we cry can learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris N. Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. 
And we, if you're just tuning in, we're dealing with an article on Forbes magazine written. I, I, I can't believe you picked this up. I, I, I'm going to no, go. It's a great I'm gonna, teaching I'm gonna, tool. I'm going to leave here with a headache. It's, but it's a great teaching tool. I really think so because what we, we, we. What, what is this sacrosanct? Like thou shalt not kill? Is that sacrosanct? And at what point is it, is it not? sacrosanct and immutable is thou shalt not kill is that is that not immutable so if it's your 24 year old daughter okay and i'm going to put a bullet in her forehead uh, the, the the fact that that's not right is that sacrosanct okay let's dial it back a little bit how about when she's eight is that okay can we kill her then is that is it ceasing to be sacrosanct oh well here's an idea how about she's almost out of the womb but not quite out of the womb then we can kill her then and it's not sacrosanct okay so that's what this moron is pitching that there's there's really no standard there shouldn't be any standard and if you have standards you're the bad guy because you say you're not willing to compromise on these things we ought to be able to compromise yeah that's what that's what got us where we are and and it's just it's mind-boggling to me that people that are this stupid and depraved have this kind of platform. But you know how that all works because you got the cabal running all this garbage and, and these fish wraps like Forbes who have achieved some sort of status because a bunch of rich guys run it and have their name on it. And so this is something we're all supposed to swallow. This is poisonous trash. Okay, but see, you study the headlines, JC. Thank you I've, for letting me get that off my chest. You're welcome. You're very welcome. And I know the I know the Liberty First listeners love it when you when you blast off like that. I get so many comments. JC says exactly what I'm feeling. But here's the thing. An idiot. Here's Just the thing. The biggest bunch of trash this, I've heard. This is I, I picked this because it's a teaching tool and it is the the most exaggerated form of what you're hearing, but you're hearing it across the board. You talk at all of the media channels are now talking about compromise. And I want Liberty First listeners to be better than that. I want them to know what what compromise really means to these people. It is a code word for slavish submission. It is a code word for unlimited authority to government by permission. It is a code word, JC, for this destructive ideology that the Constitution means nothing at all, it is a it is a living, breathing document, which means it's not okay. a standard. Okay, so that's what that's what that's what ticks me off here. One of the things, one of the several things, what you see, this little con artist, he's he's not simply saying we ought to compromise. This is part of the government. He's actually teaching in this article that the Constitution and the founding documents themselves are in reality just just vehicles of compromise. Yes. They're they're not standards. They're well, let just, me read this, JC. This he thing says that you can change. He says democracy by its very nature requires compromise as in fact compromise has been a fundamental element of functional democracy. So, here's the thing. Number 1, I mean, this is I I teach this all the time at LFU. We have free videos on YouTube. America is not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. And it drives me nuts when people try to say, well, what we really are are is a, a representative republic. No, what we really are 
is a constitutional republic. Why wouldn't you say what we are exactly rather than sort of mulling up the terms and 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 quoting vagaries or even just simply deceptions? A democracy is what gets the compromise of what should be principles. It leads the majority uh, social desire over the basic fundamental principles of life. And a representative republic when you call America a representative republic, you diminish the importance of the Constitution as the standard in the republic. Yeah, you can't. Why? He, he, why it doesn't take JC. It doesn't take any more, uh, and it doesn't take any more breath or muscles to say constitutional republic than it truth. does than it does to say representative republic, but and the, it drives me stinking nuts. But the problem is. To use, for him to use the constitutional, the, the phrase constitutional republic would imply restraint, yes. a restraint, which, which is the opposite of what he's, what he's pitching, that there is no restraint. So like he says, if our pluralistic democracy, it, it gets, I mean, he like, here's the problem with that word democracy. It's so vague and the general American public has no idea what democracy means. You get sucked down. Now we're a pluralistic democracy is to thrive or even survive. We must instill the body politic, the essentiality of compromise in political and social engagement. And and now he he begins on his his uh, you know louding of the of the legal community he says those in the legal profession and legal educators should be primary stewards of this charge. Yes, they should. They no no. no but they, the problem is we yeah. the, this is who we have. This is who represents that class. I mean, don't forget this. this but they idiot are is stewardships leading. of the charge of the pluralistic democracy and the essentiality of compromise on social engagements. No, they, sh- they should be stewards. I mean, this is they what, should be stewards of the Constitution and truth it? and principle. Yeah, it was, what is that? What Madison said or Hamilton said? I mean, the, the or Jefferson even. I mean, they're supposed to be stewards. Yes. Of this, when he talks about the judiciary, which which by implication would be the lawyers, the attorneys, the legal educators. He You're says, supposed to be stewards of constitutional principles. Were I don't, they does take he an ever, oath to the Constitution, does, does so ever, not compromise. Does he ever say constitutional republic no, in the entire article? Not in, he doesn't even mention the Constitution in the entire article. Listen to what he says. Compromise as a goal must be seen as an invaluable end synonymous with success. I want to take that and tell you what that means. A synonymous synonymous with success is yeah. se- success in political power. But success for whom? This, see, right, this is, exactly. This it's is success signaling. for political power. He's now signaling. Mm-hmm. So that now I see what's going on. So he's signaling to those who would destroy the republic. We won. We're winning, guys. Yes. Keep doing this. This yes. is the result we're looking for. Because here we have uh, this. This now this this display in America about how we can't live without our national parks. Well, I mean, we can't live without the federal government running our parks and, and running our airports and running all this thing. We stuck it out guys long enough to put on the squeeze, but we didn't stick. We didn't let them stick it out long enough to know they didn't need us anymore. He says, look at this. He says, political and social engagement as a zero sum game must be vigorously refuted. 
right and wrong must be vigorously refuted. You cannot have black, you cannot have standards. You cannot have right and wrong. You cannot have, uh, wrong. Uh, you cannot have truth and deception. You must have something that whatever, whatever the opposite of all that is, right? Vigorously, you must vigorously dispute truth. We must vigorously dispute principle. Samuel Adams said, no people will tamely surrender liberty when uh, knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. This man is preaching against both knowledge and virtue in the same article. He says, the concept of winning must be broadened to include the achievement of a middle ground in which the parties, remember, this is all about politics. It's not about liberty. It's not about constitution. It's not about rights. Uh, have a shared sense of vestment in a final result that distributes benefits and losses among competing parties. Who's winning here? Well, Who's winning here? It's not you and me. And don't forget, was he dean at Georgetown, a dean at Wake Forest, mm-hmm. leading the ABA. ABA? I mean, so come on, parents out there. Are you going to stop? Someday, are you going to stop? When, when are we going to stop? I mean, we run into sending our children. We run into indoctrination parents, centers. I'm telling you, man, and we run into these parents all the time, all over the country, and they complain about this stuff. And you still send your money there. You still send your kids there. When are you going to stop? Uh, you know, here the, these are the people leading leading this is those. Frust- institutions. This is so frustrating to me because we 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 have conservative parents. People who read the Constitution sending their money and their children to these schools because they claim there is no other option. Conservative uh, public service announcement, Forbes goes under the label conservative. This is the conservative version that you're getting right here. These are conservatives. So, yeah, keep, keep, keep waving that banner. Principles are unwavering. Life, liberty property as jefferson described it as the pursuit of happiness these are principles i just want to know you know because i know the answer to this question it's just sort of the uh, a rhetorical question because i went to law school and i know what these lawyers believe and i know what they say but you know is freedom of speech then is that is that simply a comp- you know something you can compromise it, yeah is, it has to be it, it can't be, be it can't be it can't be immutable. It can't due be process? sacrosanct. Due process. Don't be sacrosanct about due process. It's not an immutable idea. Well, I want to see him say that when some officer comes to his house and tries to arrest him without a warrant. Well, he doesn't have to worry about it. He doesn't have to worry about it. He's 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 a made man. I mean, come on. Think about it. Of, yeah. of, of, of all the people, and it's not like he's some anomaly, but... No, he is the stereotypical, he is the epitome of law school ideology. But I'm saying, who's getting to be made deans of the leading law schools? Wake Forest, Georgetown, etc., so on and so forth. You look around all of them. These are the guys. So, yeah, it's not going to happen to him because the system is made uh, for people like him. Until it's not. 
because it always comes down to that. Stalin shot his own people in the forehead. So, I mean, nobody's safe. He says the longest government shutdown in U.S. history has produced negative impacts that will be likely felt from some time to come. I do believe, however, there could be a silver lining, he says. The nation has witnessed firsthand the fundamental importance of government and civil service in the provision of essential services such as security, safety, and economic stability. So what does a national park have to do with security, safety, and economic stability? I mean, if we're going to throw that out there, nothing, right? So the aftermath of this painful episode, he says, should also demonstrate the importance of compromise as a process that leads to greater functionality. Sissy. You are a panty-waist sissy if you refer to a 34-day shutdown as a painful episode in your life. Welcome back to the Chrisanne Hall Daily Journal, our final segment. JC and I are going to go out right after this show and try to get our sound equipment fixed. I'm really sort of embarrassed by the sound, but I really hope you'll 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 stick with us through this. I promise we're going to make this all better. But this is important for us to do because you're going to hear the words compromise literally littered in every conversation this week. And we need to know what that means. There's an old story JC told about um, uh, Daniel Boone, about when Daniel Boone was in the House of Representatives and um, there was a time when Daniel Boone compromised in a budget. And he went out to 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 speak to his constituency about re-election and he came across an old farmer who said, hey, I'm not voting for you. I voted for you the first time, but I'm not voting for you again. And and Daniel Boone said, why? I'm doing my best to represent you. And Daniel Boone and the constituent then said to Daniel Boone, hey, uh, you let us down. You voted for this government program that was not within the power of government. And you have proven to me that you do not have what it takes to stick it out, to stick with principles. And because you will compromise principles, I can't trust you in the future. Now, there's some there's some sort of um, just dispute on whether that actually happened or not, but it's a widely told story. And that's what's the problem that we have here in America today, JC. That's why our Congress has an 11% approval rating and a 95% re-election because the majority of Americans, whether you be liberal, Democrat, you be uh, conservative, Republican, whatever, Green Party, whatever party you associate with, this, this compromise has become um, as as this author says, uh, something that is an essential part of who we are. And we've lost sight of the fact that there the reason America is different from every other government on the planet, the reason our state and our union is different from every other union on the planet is because we were built on the essentials of principle and principle by themselves are not up 
for compromise. And, you know, I think you've said it before, JC, it's the virtue, it's the courage. This compromise, this compromising on principles is really a lack of courage, isn't it? Well, it's, I, that's, yeah, but it's like you said, it's a virtue and knowledge. I mean, virtue, courage is, courage is a, is a product of virtue. So it's knowledge and virtue, just like Sam Adams said. Mm-hmm. And people, people don't know, they don't have the principles and then they're not will. they don't have the virtue that causes them, uh, you know, gives them that sense of duty and, right. and compulsion to stand for those things. So I, I just, I, you know, it goes, I, I think about when you gave that class the other night about going to the source, go to the right. source, go to the source. And people just are led around, even the stuff, the, the polls and what this person think and the approval rating and this and that. And I saw this thing, you see these bizarre polls about uh, the investigation, for instance, the Russian investigation. So oh, a majority of the people want it to end, right? But then you see in the same, in the same survey, uh, a majority of people want an investigation into Russian collusion. I mean, they they want investigation this, investigation that, and then they say at the same time in the same survey, same people say want the investigation in. I don't even know what to think about people. What, like, what's going on? You're schizophrenic or whatever. But it's just evidence of people are in confusion. They don't have principles, and they're led around by the nose. I think of the things we saw where. You know, we looked at the, 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 the stories and the headlines that are being reported. I just okay, go back to the cake baker, not to be the dead horse, the cake baker thing, where they were saying, oh, victory for the cake baker in Colorado. And you wrote the blog. You said, no, look at look at the opinion. And you quoted the literal. Here are the sentences in the opinion. This is actually what they said. You know, so it was, again, go to the source. But people sit around, you take the headlines, you listen to Fox News, you listen to whoever, and then and then you just repeat this stuff. So people are not they're not they're not founded on principle they don't know what they think and what the media says changes from day to day and it's this crisis that crisis i think this whole shutdown was just pure theater more manipulation and control to set us up for this conversation right now that's going on so they led people where they wanted them to go so they could get them to think what they wanted them to think he says He says, the aftermath of this painful episode should also demonstrate the importance of compromise as a process to leads to greater functionality. No, what that means is a process that leads to less obstruction in government, in in creating the government, an uncontrollable, unlimited government that they want. Learn the news speak and then speak truth. God bless you guys. We'll see you later. Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, God. indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. You can always find us at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. You can always watch the show on YouTube as well. So if you uh, want to see what we're doing right now, and I'm going to literally see, because I got something in my eye, JC, and it's really starting to bug me. Your finger. I know. Well, my finger is now in my eye, but there's something in my eye. Anyway. <laughs> I should be a doctor. How quick I diagnose that. Oh, my goodness. Well, in New York, you may just be qualified these days. Come on. <laughs> So welcome to the show. I want to talk to you. Uh, we want to talk to you today about some very important things happening. Your right to keep and bear arms. And uh, what's happening or what has happened in the state of Washington and how some very important people are reacting. And so uh, this is in regard to Ballot Initiative 1639. And what, what it is is it's an initiative put on the ballot by a group so that the people will vote this into law. And Where did you say this was? Washington State? Washington State. Gotcha. We have done so much teaching in Washington State. We And, and not just simply, you know, the choir and the tea parties we have taught schools we have taught law enforcement i've probably taught more law enforcement in the state of washington than i have any other state i I think so because i've been there several times and i've spoken to several different uh uh counties and cities in washington not only that when i'm in there teaching like when I was teaching near Franklin County, uh, we had law enforcement coming in from other jurisdictions sitting under this training. And so uh, what ballot, what initiative 1639, and it actually passed. 60% of the people passed this into law. And uh, what it did was literally infringe the right of the people to keep and bear arms under the the excuse of reducing violent crime. And I actually, I'm going to pull this up right up here. So I actually, where is it? Oh, there it is. Um, I actually read the entire initiative. And what, what do we, it, it should have a dead person's name on it. You know what I mean? JC, JC knows what I mean when I say that. Because the entire first three paragraphs of this bill to become law is nothing but emotion not reason not law not this is what why we need to do this but it is strictly emotion and the manipulation manipulate right exactly jc manipulations and uh so this we actually talked about this on the show, but I don't know if we we actually uh, realized what we were talking about. This is the piece of legislation that creates this bizarre definition of the semi-automatic rifle, and it says that a semi-automatic rifle, also known as an SAR, 
is any rifle which utilizes a portion of the energy of a firing cartridge to extract the fired cartridge case and chamber the next round and which requires a separate pull of the trigger for to fire each cartridge. So that's the definition of a semi-automatic rifle. But then it excludes any firearm that is manually operated by bolt, pump, lever, or slide action. And what it means is, is that that ordinary... So targeting AR. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But ordinary hunting guns, right? Ordinary competitive, competitive shooting rifles and target shooting guns now become this, uh, you know, air quote, assault rifle. So this is a completely... Oh, I thought I said excluding those. No, no, no. Um, it, no, not all of them, right? So if you if you have to manually do something, right, but not all, uh, not all guns that are used for shooting and competitive shooting and hunting, you have to manually do, right? So um, anyway, it also uh, imposes an age-based ban... Uh, anyone under the 21 years of age, it prohibits them to transfer, uh, it, it prohibits transfers and sales of legal semi-automatic assault rifles uh, by anyone under the under 21 years of age. Hold it, on, was that, okay, semi, uh, the definition said semi-automatic. Assault rifle. Assault. Okay, so they added this thing, assault. They added assault in there, right? So They didn't define assault. No, because that's automatic with a rifle. Gotcha. It's automatically scary. It's salts, right? So anyway, uh, it bans the possession of a semi-automatic rifle by anyone less than 21 years of age unless one of the very few exceptions applies. One of them is they have to be inside their own home. So once they step outside their own home, that it's over, right? And so, uh, and the restriction on the legal possession of anyone under the age of 21 applies even if the gun was acquired and possessed legally before the effective date of uh, Initiative 1639. Oh wow! So that's that's a gun confiscation yes. clause. Well, it's a it's it's a a, a a post facto law. Yeah. You are now if you did something legal, you are now committing a crime. Right. You are now committing a crime. But now, if you're if you're 21 and you have now you have a semi-automatic rifle, mm-hmm. then I mean technically that would put. That would mean it has to be taken from you. Yes. Right? So yes. So gun confiscation. Absolutely. Um, it drives up the cost of gun, uh, the purchasings of guns. I read through this 1639. The, the things that the people have to do, JC, to get a firearm are absolutely ridiculous. Compliance seems nearly, nearly impossible at this point and so so it it tries to so it not only affects the guns you possess uh you know and the type of guns and all that but it's trying to impair your ability to 
to have them, to acquire them. To right? even to acquire them, right. Remember. So make the process more onerous, more expensive, mm-hmm. more complicated, put it out of reach of some people. Right, right. Remember George Mason when the debate over the ratification of the Second Amendment and the language of the Second Amendment was happening, George Mason refers the delegates to a piece of their history. And he says, 40 years ago, which would have been the mid-1740s, he said, when the plan to enslave America was put into place, the governor of Pennsylvania, who was an artful man, advised the parliament to disarm the people, that it was the best and most effectual way to enslave them. But he said, do not do it openly, weaken them and let them sink gradually. That's exactly what 1639 does. Let's them sink gradually. You know, I I don't want to I I don't want to skip over this this understanding that we have people who are now 20 uh, uh, 19 20 years old who are having their rights violated. This is not just simply violation of their right to keep and bear arms. This is confiscation of their property. Right. So I want to be very clear here. When you turn 18 years old, by the law, across the United States, you are legally an adult. means you can engage in, in legal contract without the, the permission and express writing of your parents. You can buy a car. You can buy a house. You can get married. You know, I mean, marriage changes from state to state, but at 18 years old in every single state in the union, you can get married without your parents. You can be uh, joining in the military. Right. You can go and fight and and possess a firearm overseas. But when you come home, J.C., you cannot even possess a gun. You can't protect your home. You can't protect your family unless you're in your home. Right. And because here's the thing is, if if you have one of these guns that that isn't on the accepted list, it makes it illegal to even possess it. This is and never this is gun confiscation for the young pe- for for our people under the age of 21. And this is what this is the same thing Florida did. I mean this kind of mirrors the yes, Florida part absolutely. of that. Absolutely. Which absolutely. is being challenged now. Uh-huh. Um so interesting to see how that plays out because I, and I don't know what grounds they're challenging on, but the first thing that pops into my mind, you know, you said you're 18, you're an adult, is the, uh, what do you call that, equal application of the law or whatever? Uh, Equal protection under the law. Yeah. So how do you, what's, it it, it doesn't seem like this is a, this would be a, uh, this would be constitutional in the sense, what basis do you have to discriminate against someone that's 21 versus someone, you know, that's over 21 who... Right. So I don't know. You're, you're criminalizing age. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. And it is it is a violation of equal protection under the law. And I believe that's an aspect that needs to come forward through the law. Um, it This law in, it makes it nearly impossible to legally comply in your home with the storage of firearms. And I want to read this little paragraph before we go into the break, just to, to exemplify the emotion in this case. In, in this subsection, it says, CAUTION, in capitalized letters. 
the presence of a firearm in the home has been associated with an increased risk of death of death to self and others including a risk of suicide and it goes on to say other things we'll read the whole thing when we come back from the break but this is just ridiculous Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here. Uh, JC, I, you're going to have to cover for me, man, because I totally lost... <laughs> doing during the break <laughs> I was not set up to go so anyway before the break I talked about this provision within um, the 1639 and this uh, the emotion and the manipulation of this particular act that it's was Colton by the way Colton came on camera yeah oh, he, didn't know it, he didn't know it Colton's on camera anyway. <laughs> hey Colton so you go I'll go to YouTube watch Colton being un inadvertently, unknowingly on camera. So this is what this says. This is, uh, it says, caution in all capital letters, JC. It says, the presence of a firearm in the home has been associated with an increased risk of death to self and others, including an increased risk of suicide, death during domestic violence incidents, and unintentional deaths to children and others. Did you know the mere presence of a gun in someone's home increases the odds of death? I actually have a more shocking statistic. Do you really? Yeah. So give it to us. In Shock almost, us. In, 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 as far as we know, in almost every one of those instances, mm -hmm. there's a sink in the home. Oh, my goodness. The presence of sinks in the home increases your chance of death. Yeah. Kitchen knives. Ha I bet there's a kitchen knife. Did it say, how did it say? Have been, have uh, been, have been associated with an increased risk of death. Yeah, that's statistical. Not, 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 not death by firearms. Right. Right? Not death by uh, a bullet wound, yeah. but death. Yeah. We we just we just associated sinks with that. Yeah. Right. Right. We didn't say the right. sink has anything to do with it. No. Right. Right. Exactly. But we associated sinks with. See it. how this stuff is just it is just wicked wicked manipulations, and it really 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 upsets me. And apparently, it's upset a lot of people's. Oh, this is this is the very first section, section one. Now I'm I'm telling you, this is not the the emotional justification for voting. This is actually the section in. 1639. Gun violence is far too common in Washington and the United States. In particular, shootings involving the use of semi-automatic assault rifles have resulted in hundreds of lives lost, devastating injury, and lasting psychological impact on, impacts on survivors, their families, and communities. Semi-automatic rifles are specifically designed to kill 
quickly and efficiently and have been used in some of the country's deadliest mass shootings, including in Newton, Connecticut, Las Vegas, Nevada, Parkland, and Orlando, Florida, among others. Uh, and it just, it's, it's just simply... Uh, like I said, it's just an emotional manipulation. These are the kind of things that ought not be written in law. Listen to what this says. This is the text of the law. Remember, this is not, hey, we're this group. We want you to pass this. We want you to vote to pass this law. And this is why we want you to. This is actually text in the law. Enough is enough. Period. What kind of legal language is that? What kind of statutory language is that? Enough is enough. Right. And uh, apparently enough is enough in the state of Washington because even though 60% of the population voted this law into effect, the governor in is issued her little mandate to enforce this, right? issued the decree to make this happen we have real defenders of liberty standing up and saying no we're not going to do this and i'm really excited uh personally that one of those people is uh is is sheriff raymond in franklin in franklin county tech uh texas i'm saying we're in washington in Franklin County, Washington, is J.D. Raymond. Uh, I have his picture up here on YouTube. Uh, we know Sheriff Raymond. We've taught Sheriff Raymond. Right. And I'm not taking credit for his decisions no. because because the fact that he actually, uh, you know, recognized that his people needed this training is not a reflection on me. It's definitely a reflection on him. And when we come back after the break, I want everybody to hear the letter that Sheriff Raymond issued to all of his deputies. As can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal, our segment on the right to keep and bear arms. But this is not just simply the right to keep and bear arms. This is your right to be secure in your property against unreasonable searches and seizures. This is a right to be secure in your property from unlawful government takings. This is a right to be secure in your property uh, from the government taking it uh, without due process. Process. And that's something, JC, we really, really need to sink in in the American psyche, that it's not just about guns and it's not just about the Second Amendment. These are rights that are inalienable. These are essential rights to the preservation of liberty. And Sheriff Raymond, uh, he, he knows this and he believes this. So Sheriff Raymond issued a memorandum uh, on his letterhead. We have it here on the YouTube channel. Uh, on November 12, 2018, to all his law enforcement personnel. 
And it's about Initiative 1639, Gun Ownership and Purchase Measures. He says, The passage of Initiative 1639 has created quite a stir across the state and, of course, calls into question when law enforcement will begin taking enforcement actions. He says, I felt it important that you all know where our Franklin County Sheriff stance is on this topic. Please see and read the below references. I love this, right? Because this is straight out of the way that we teach at Liberty First University. If I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you the source of information, right? He's not saying this is my opinion. He's not saying I'm working, flying off the handle, off emotion or whatever. He says I'm going to give you my source of, auth- of of authority on what makes my decision. And this is amazing. He quotes the oath of office to the sheriff. He quotes the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Mm-hmm. He quotes the Washington State Constitution. Why would he quote those two things? Because in the oath of office for a sheriff... And his deputies, all of his staff members that are sworn in, says, I do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States, that I will support the Constitution and enforce the laws of the state of Washington and the ordinances of Franklin County. Right? And the Washington State Constitution says, Section 24, on the right to keep and bear arms, the right of the individual citizen to bear arms in defense of himself or the state shall not be impaired. And then he says, your enforcement, now this is a letter to his staff, right? Your enforcement powers and authority is passed on to you through the office of the sheriff. This is your source of authority, right? So I took this oath, you take this oath, and your authority comes from me. So I can tell you what you can and cannot do. And he says, um... He says, you're, uh, oh, where am I? He says, a few key phrases stand out to me as the sheriff of Franklin County. I will support the Constitution of the United States of America. I will support the Constitution of the state of Washington. The rights of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed upon, and the rights of individual citizen to bear arms in defense of himself or the state shall not be impaired. And he has a therefore clause. I love these kind of therefore clauses, right? He says, therefore, you are directed not to take any enforcement actions as it pertains to Initiative 1639. If you come across such matters in your duties as a Franklin County Sheriff's deputy, you will simply document and take capital letters N-O. Take no enforcement actions. That's what a constitutional sheriff sounds like. That is what a constitutional sheriff sounds like. That's that's what a man supporting his oath sounds like, a man with integrity, a man with courage. That's and what it sounds like. A keeper of his oath, but then taking seriously his duty to the people. Right. This is his duty to the people. And I'm I'm very very I'm very proud to to know Sheriff Raymond. At this point, and the fact that this is happening in the state of Washington, where most people would think that all is lost, right? Then uh, most people have written off the West Coast. But we have told them, JC, we've been there. And the patriots in the West Coast 
who are probably, maybe it's because they're the most oppressed. They're the most, uh, uh, uncom- the mo- being made the most uncomfortable with their rights. They're the ones that realize that we have to do something. We have to do something. Well, Sheriff Raymond is not alone, JC. We also have, uh, we have uh, Police Chief Culp. And uh, Police Chief Culp is, he is going to, uh, actually, he actually uh, sent off an initiative and made a public statement that he would not be uh, enforcing this law either. I have this on uh, YouTube right now. Mm-hmm. And um, it says, uh, I've talked, this is a statement that he issued. This is uh, Sheriff Culp of the City of Republic, okay? And he says, I've talked with quite a few concerned citizens today, so let me, ma- let me clear something up. I've taken three public oaths, one in the U.S. Army, and two, as a police officer, all of them include upholding and defending the Constitution of the United States of America. The Second Amendment says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. As long as I am chief of police, no republic officer will infringe on a citizen's right to keep and bear arms. Period. Capital letters. Period. Exclamation point. Signed, Chief Culp. Where is this? This is in Republic, the city of Republic in Washington. Oh, let's see. I I think we've met him as well. He are looks you, very familiar to me as are well. Are you gonna uh, are you gonna post this on the website so people have access to these? I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I should I, make an article about these. Yeah, and, and have maybe links to the actual statement, like his memorandum, whatever mm-hmm. is out there. Uh, the the sheriffs. Uh, I think this would be something nice to send to. Any sheriff in right. your, in your county to say, hey, you know, FYI, because what is your stance and and when are you going to start doing this too? Yeah, what an interesting thing. I was just telling somebody in um, Cape Coral about our experience in the Florida legislature, and you would go to legislators and say, hey, this is what we'd like you to do, and here's here's the stance, whatever, and and they would always ask, almost almost every one of them. Uh, well, what have other states done? And in particular, what have other legislators or legislatures done? Have they done mm-hmm. this or whatever? So th- it's always uh, it's always positive to show, hey, one of you. Here's what one of you have done. Here's an example. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. another sheriff is doing this. Another. Right. So people, you know, a lot of these guys, they don't have the courage that these two men have and they and don't, they don't have stand. the training they don't even know right. that that's that's actually yeah. within their authority to do not yeah. only their duty they don't understand it's within their authority to do right so this both informs them and encourages them infuses them with the courage uh, to be able to do it they know they're not standing alone they're right. no, they're not some renegade now i don't know what the stance is on on these two men on other constitutional issues but the statements that they're making now Sure sound like con- the statements of, of people who understand their oath to the Constitution and to the people's rights. Um, Chief Culp actually went one step forward further. He didn't just simply declare, and I love the initiative of Chief Culp. I would love to see this spread across America. 
He says, not only as long he says, as long as I am chief of police, no Republic police officer will infringe on a citizen's right to keep and bear arms, period. And then, J.C., he went ahead and drafted an ordinance and submitted it to the city council. The ordinance says, an ordinance of the city of Republic, which shall be known and may be cited as the, quote, Second Amendment Sanctuary City Ordinance. How awesome is that? Now, this is the proper uh, application of a sanctuary city, right? Because uh, sanctuary cities, as you think about them now, are not a constitutional action because they are a city or even a whole state, Uh, not following the contract and the agreement of the Constitution, actually denying authorized power of the federal government. But what we have here is a real sanctuary city ordinance that is in compliance with the Constitution because the government is violating. And I want to be very clear here. This, This initiative, 1639, not only violates the U.S. Constitution, but it clearly violates the Washington State Constitution. And what I I want us to be clear about as well, that this is not just about what the Constitution says. These men recognize that the right to keep and bear arms is not something that flows from government or documents. They recognize that this is an inherent right of the people, and the only thing that happens is that the the, the government, the people of these states and the United States said, this is so important, we're going to put it in writing as a reminder, as an assurance, right? And he says, an ordinance of the city of of Republic, which shall be known and may be cited as the Second Amendment Sanctuary City Ordinance to prevent federal and state infringement on the right to keep and bear arms. Notice he didn't say uh, prevent the federal and state government from taking our Second Amendment right. See, that's why I know this is in line, right? He says, nullifying. I'm like, huh? nullifying all federal and state acts in violation of the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States and Article 1, Section 24 of the Washington State Constitution. And that's his proposed, that's a, a portion of his proposed ordinance. See, it's not just enough to be a keyboard warrior. You have to act. This requires action. And I can just, my my brain is racing, JC, because there are so many things that cannot happen if people like this are in the service of government. Right. People like this, people uh, are always complaining about the, the people in government. But these two men, and I know they're not alone, JC, I know these are just two examples of many that are out there. And I believe that there are two examples of many more that will be that would be out there if this kind of education and knowledge was diffused, as, as Samuel Adams says. Yeah, and th- this kind of pushback you need, a collection of these law enforcement leaders that can't be dismissed as you know, lunatics. I'm a long, long way from my home, and I'm going to change all the things I find. The Chris Van Hall Show.
Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal, our final segment of today's show, the right to keep and bear arms, the right to defend your life, your liberty, your property. As Samuel Adams says, stemming from the first law of nature, the right of the people to to survive. Your right to self-preservation is not something that comes from government. And I just want to say to people, I want to encourage, you know, JC, I'm going to do that. I'm going to put it up on the website because here's what I want to do. I'm going to send it out with our daily email with the show. And this is what I want us to do because this is important. When we get in the habit of complaining, right, when we get in the habit of complaining, Why is it then that we don't get into the habit of thanking people when they do the right thing? Right. Right? So here's what we need to be doing. We need to be contacting Sheriff Raymond all over the country. Yeah. Contact him because, look, his stand, you have no idea, his stand might help other people. This stand might help your sheriff. Well, it's quite possible. Might help your sheriff do the right thing. And it's quite possible that the state legislators and different officials may move against him. So Absolutely. He's he needs probably going to need right. support and encouragement. Yes. So here's here's the point I want to make. It doesn't matter if as you well are. As well as the chief of police. Right. Right. Well, well, right. So let me put him up there, too. So this is Police Chief Culp in in uh, the city of republic washington and we're going to be posting their contact information so that you can write them and tell them thank you for being men of courage thank you for standing for what is right and encouraging others to do that as well see because that's that's what we need to understand this is about encouraging people and um everybody out there raise your hand if you've had my course on the uh, disarming of America. <laughs> How many times, JC? Oh, I don't know. Tell people what you call that course. Well, that's the torch and pitchfork class. <laughs> torch and pitchfork class. Yeah. The most seditious class Chrisanne teaches. Republic. Not because I'm teaching sedition, but because I'm teaching about how the people stood up for their own rights. They didn't sit around and complain and whine and moan and wait for an election. They actually got up and put feet to their complaints. Yeah. You're about to say something. No, I was going to say Republic is in Republic Washington is in Ferry County. It's way up north there, close to the Canadian. Oh yeah, it's really far up there. Canadian border. How far is it from Yakima? Oh, it's way far from because uh, yeah, Franklin County is down by Yakima. Yeah. So um, yeah, I wonder. We should talk to Janet and see if we've taught there up there somewhere i don't see in any of the cities on that map to know i remember being that we've been in spokane uh-huh. area so it's sort of north uh-huh. west of spokane i don't think that we've been north of that colville reservation before but janet would know better so than that's we where it's at yeah that's where the chief's at in republic so the class the course that i teach called uh the disarming of america is actually available on dvd if you don't have it you can get it at chrisannhall.com and this this is an amazing, amazing course where I show you what how the people of 1774, the mindset, the dedication to liberty in 1774, 
uh, how the people united together all throughout the 13 colonies to come against one governor disarming one town. See, the thing, I mentioned this yesterday, and I mentioned a lot last week when we were talking about New York, but the thing that I find so frustrating today is the, the, the disassociation that we have with each other. There is no fellowship in the term American anymore. Mm-hmm. There is no unity under, in America under the principles that make America who they are, the, the principles of liberty. And um, to, to sit back and, and say, woohoo, go Washing, you know, go, go uh, Raymond, go Sheriff Raymond, go, go Police Chief Culp, and then sit back and just say, you know, it's good for them, but what about me? Yeah, definitely encourage them. We need to encourage them because here's the thing. We're better together, what Hillary said. We're better, better together. together. Oh, my goodness. It, you know, just because <laughs> the liberals say it. And, I mean, Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals are true. true, you know. And here's the thing that I want to do. You're going to want someone to stand with you when your state does what Washington does has done because it's coming to you unless we stand together. God bless you guys. See you next time. <laughs>